thank you so much for that prayer, John, this morning. I appreciate it. This morning we are preparing our hearts for the very sacred time of sharing the Lord's Supper together. And as we prepare our hearts for taking the Lord's Supper, we are going to continue in our ongoing study of the New Testament book of Titus. And I have been preaching through the book of Titus, and this morning we are at Titus chapter 3 and verses 8 through 11. Titus chapter 3, verses 8 through 11. The Apostle Paul writing to Titus and the churches on the island of Crete says this. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things, so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people, but avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. Well, our first point this morning is insist on what is most important. Titus is to insist that the genuine believers in the church focus on what is most important. In the first part of verse 8, it says, The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things. So the question is, what saying is he referring to, and what are these things that he is to insist on? Well, I think you could make the case that it's everything in the book of Titus up to this point. But specifically, I believe it is referring to what we looked at last week. Everything that Paul has just said in the first seven verses. If you remember, last week, Paul told Titus to tell the people to be reminded, to remember, and to focus. To be reminded, to remember, and to focus. They are to be reminded that they are to be obedient to the word of God, obedient to the teachings of Christ. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. But not only was he to remind them, they were to remember. They were to remember what it was like when they were lost and without Christ and without hope in this world. Every time they share their faith with an unbeliever, they are to remember at one time, I was that person. I was in their shoes. They are to remember their former condition as unbelievers, knowing that but for the grace of God, But for the grace of God, they would still be lost and condemned. But not only are they to be reminded, not only they are to remember, they are to focus. They are to focus on the greatness of their salvation. They are to remember the 
the marvelous gift of God in their salvation, which they received as a gift because of God's kindness, his love, his mercy, his washing of regeneration, his renewal by the Holy Spirit, all because of Jesus Christ, our Savior, and all by his grace. O Titus, remind them, remember, and focus on what is truly important. And all of this is part of our witness for Christ. That we are exemplifying obedience to Christ, good works in the name of Christ. That we haven't forgotten what it was like to be lost. As I asked you last week, where would you be? Where would you be right now if you had never come to Christ? Don't ever forget that. And we are to focus on the greatness of our salvation in Jesus. And then it says this, so that. So that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. Remind, remember, and focus so that you can devote yourselves to good works. And these good works run the gamut. They refer to praying for unbelievers to be saved. They include teaching people, sharing with people the word of God. It includes helping the poor and the needy, visiting the sick. It includes engaging in activities, in communities that would do good. It includes all of those things. So devote yourselves. Devote yourselves to good works. But I want you to notice what he says next. The Apostle Paul says that these things are excellent and profitable for people. He says these things are excellent and profitable for all of us. In other words, Paul is saying this, and it is so important this morning. These are the most important things. They are. These things should be your ministry priority. These things should take up the greatest share of your time. I don't know about you, but I think we all desperately need to know what is most important. As we look at all of the opportunities that lay before us in life, church, family, community, what's most important? What demands the most of my time, the greatest share of my time? We all desperately need a filter through which we can evaluate every opportunity. Is this what's most important? And I think that's what Paul is saying. To remind, to remember, to focus, to insist on these things because these things are excellent and profitable for all people. I think of Acts chapter 6. For me personally, as a pastor, Acts chapter 6 has been important to my life and ministry. We come to that point where there was a dispute among the believers. There was a disagreement between the Hellenists and the Hebrews over the distribution of food to the widows. And the Hellenists thought that their widows were being neglected. 
that they weren't getting their proper portion. And so the 12 apostles say, we need to appoint some men to make sure this is done correctly. So they appoint seven men full of the spirit and wisdom who I personally believe were the first deacons and they appoint them to take care of this issue among the believers to make sure the widows were being properly cared for so that they could focus on what was most important for them. In Acts chapter 6 and verse 4 it says this, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. But we, the apostles, will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word because that's what's most important for us. And I think this is a very important teaching for a pastor, especially the primary teaching pastor in a church, that you, pastor, are to devote yourselves first and foremost to prayer and the ministry of the word. And I want to share with you as a congregation, whether it's this church or another church that you may attend, you need to hold your pastor's feet to the fire. You need to do two things. Number one, hold his feet to the fire. You need to say, you need to be focusing on prayer and the ministry of the word as your top priority. Second, you need to protect him. You need to protect him because there are so many things that could draw him away from what is most important. There are always hospital visits to make, shut-ins to visit, ministries to be involved in. And he should do some of that, but he can't do all of that. And you need to protect him from those who might criticize him for not being everywhere all the time. Because his main issue, and a lot of pastors struggle with this, his main priority is to devote himself to prayer and the ministry of the word. But this is not just true for a pastor. This is true for all of us. We need to ask ourselves, what's most important? Am I giving priority and attention to my walk with God? If, you were, if we were to look at your daily schedule, would we see that your walk with God, your time in reading scripture and prayer, and intentionally being involved in good works, would we see that that is a priority in your life, that that is the most important thing in your life? Well, there's a reason I say all that. Because our second point is the constant temptation of distraction. One of Satan's most effective strategies is to distract Christians with unimportant things. And I just want you to think about that with me this morning. One of Satan's most effective strategies is to distract you with unimportant things. We think of the famous example in Luke chapter 10 of Martha and Mary. Jesus has come to their home for a dinner. And it says that Martha is preparing the food and serving. But Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus listening to him. So Martha comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, tell my sister to help me. 
She's letting me do this all by myself. And Jesus says to Martha, 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 you are worried and upset about many things. But only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is best. And it will not be taken away from her. Mary chose the most important thing of all. To sit at the feet of Jesus and to listen to him. So Paul says in verse 9. But very important transition. Avoid Christians Avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 23, Paul says the same thing to Timothy. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. Now, something really struck me this week as I was studying If we go back to Titus chapter 1, verses 10 through 16, Paul says the same thing to Titus. Verses 10 and 11 of chapter 1, he says, For there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers, and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silenced, since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. Verses 13 and 14, this testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith, not devoting themselves to Jewish myths and the commands of people who turn away from the truth. And I'm thinking, why in three short chapters does he put so much emphasis on this two times? Two times. And I think the reason is, is because we are easily distracted. We are. We get off on things that are less important, things that shouldn't be consuming our time. I'm going to give you four quick examples here. And they're kind of sensitive examples, but I I think we need to think about how easily distracted we are. Number one, prophecy. Biblical prophecy is a good thing. We should teach on it as it is found in Scripture. Back in the year 2007 into 2008, I preached through the entire book of Revelation, every single verse. At that time, I also included passages from Daniel and Ezekiel and other prophetic passages from Old and New Testament. That is important, but some people become obsessed with prophecy. And they start speculating on things that go way beyond Scripture and trying to apply prophecy to things today in which there really is no credible, verifiable connection. And they become, this consumes them. Second example, Old Testament law. This is what was going on at the time of Titus. The Old Testament law is good. We need to teach about the difference between law and grace and the purpose of law and grace and how the law reveals our sin to us because the law of the Lord is perfect and the law is a schoolmaster that leads us to Christ. We need to teach that, but some people become unusually obsessed with the Old Testament law. They start wanting to keep the Old Testament dietary laws. They want to start keeping Old Testament feasts and festivals. At the time of Titus, 
The Judaizers were teaching that you had to be circumcised and keep the law of Moses in order to be saved. Third example, sign gifts. I think we need to have reasonable biblical teaching on sign gifts like tongues and healings and miracles. We need to teach what the Bible teaches about those things. But some people become just inordinately obsessed and distracted with those things. I remember back in the late 90s, we had a family in this church that left our church because of this issue, and they came and talked to me and said they believed that in every one of our services, at the end of the service, we should be calling people forward for physical healing, and that every service, we should be inviting people forward so that they could be anointed with oil and prayed over. And that we should provide opportunities for people who wanted to, to speak in tongues during our service. And I just said, that's not the direction we're going in. That's not our understanding. And they left our church over it. So easy, easy to become distracted with those things. A last one. This has been going on for decades. Politics. Now there is a place for Good biblical teaching on proper biblical engagement in the political process. I believe in that. In college, I was a, my undergraduate degrees in political science. I believe it's important. But people get obsessed with it. You go to churches or talk to Christians, that's all they want to do. It's sermons on politics and politicians every single week. And we get away from the most important things. We get away from what is most important for us as believers and as a church. And so Paul cautions against getting involved in controversies and quarrels. And then he warns about people who start these quarrels and controversies. Verses 10 and 11. As for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. It's interesting, I was reading there are three characteristics of someone who stirs up divisions and quarrels in a congregation. One, they have a strong personality, normally. A strong personality. Second, they want to get a group of people to follow them. And all of a sudden, I can't remember the third one. <laughs> if I think of it, I'll tell you. But they want to stir up people. Oh, I thought of the third one. <laughs> so they have strong personalities. They want to gather followers. And they refuse to submit to biblical authority and to biblical church leadership. Those guys don't know what they're talking about. You need to listen to me. Listen to what Paul says to the churches at Rome. Romans 16, verses 17 and 18. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites, and by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. Strong language here. As for a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice, 
have nothing more to do with him. Well, let me try to bring this together and lead us into our communion time. If you genuinely want to grow strong in Christ and grow as an effective witness for him, then keep the main things the main things. Okay? If you really want to grow in Christ and be an effective witness for him, always keep the main things the main things. Four quick things before we take communion. Number one, be a devoted student of Scripture and do not go beyond the boundaries of the Bible. I loved what one writer said. He said, I believe that some Christians have wasted hours and hours and hours of their lives on controversies when they could have spent those hours in disciplined study of the word of God. Number two, be careful about the Bible teachers that you listen to. Whether it's online sermons or whether it's YouTube sermons, be really careful. There's some good and there's a lot of bad. Here's a little principle for you to follow in the future. If you're listening to a sermon and it doesn't and based on your knowledge of the Bible, it just doesn't seem quite right, it's not right. Okay? If you're listening to a sermon and it just doesn't seem quite right, you follow that red flag. That may be, and most likely is the Holy Spirit working in your life, telling you, be careful. Be careful. Number three, be careful with friends and co-workers who try to draw you into questionable or extreme teachings. I was talking with some parents. Don't, they don't go to this church. Talking with some parents who were telling me that their son and daughter-in-law had converted to Judaism. Both the son and daughter-in-law had both grown up in good Bible-believing, Bible-teaching churches. But They had converted to Judaism, no longer believed that Jesus is the Messiah. They no longer believe he is the Savior who is to come into the world. And I asked them, I said, how did this happen? They said, close friends. They had some close friends who were influenced by a particular teacher. And these close friends convinced them that this was right. And they basically abandoned the Christian faith. Number four, I don't know if you've thought about this before, and I didn't plan it this way. By God's grace, it happened this way. The Lord's Supper is designed by God to keep you focused on what's most important. Did you know that? Every time we take communion, it is designed so that you will keep the main things the main things. That the death and resurrection of Christ is the most important thing. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This is important. It is designed to keep you focused on what's most important. So we're going to share the Lord's Supper together this morning. And for those of you who may be visiting, one deacon will pray for the bread and the cup. The deacons will hand out the bread and cup cup, together. 
When everyone has been served, I will read a passage of scripture, then we eat the bread together. Then I will read another passage of scripture, and we will drink the cup together. So we'll eat the bread, then drink the cup. If you're watching by live stream this morning, we encourage you to use this time as an important time of meditation and reflection. At this time, we will share the Lord's Supper together.